Harry Freems. Yeah, Harry Freems. <laughs> <laughs> I just bash the keyboard when I take my notes, so most of the stuff isn't spelled right. Yeah, mine is kind of a mess. That'll be good. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it reads it's, it straight off as written. It's like solving a puzzle. Yeah, it is. <laughs> a puzzle of your own creation. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's how you can tell your your true genius when you can both create and solve puzzles. Yeah, <laughs> that you've <laughs> created within your mind. Yes. You're just constantly running through a little labyrinth that you're procedurally generating in your brain, and your life is like an endless screensaver. (laughs) (laughs) But it's cool because it's in your mind, and just like on the computer, you can change the sky and the walls and the floor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's what I would do before we could afford, like, games. <laughs> Customize the screensavers. Yeah, the maze screensaver, and just pretend I was like playing Doom. <laughs> that's that's sad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but it's okay because I'm not actually good at Doom, so I was better at the screensaver game. <laughs> something, something more your speed. Yeah, uh, you know, more of like a like a mist without the puzzles. <laughs> just something where I just sort of kind of walk around and just kind of ambiently interact with the environment (laughs) i don't touch it or anything i just observe as uh actually you're on a rail so i don't even have to walk i'm just getting (laughs) bounced around that little maze and i would turn the ground to dirt and the ceiling to like stone and then the walls i would find like a cool picture online oh okay and then it would be fucking sick it would be like uh like Tifa hentai. <laughs> gigantic. Trapped in a labyrinth of giant breasts. <laughs> that's that's the way I want to go out. Yeah, and in many ways I've never left. So uh, <laughs> welcome once again to the Raincoat Report. A podcast by two perverts. Talking about classic porn. Talking about labyrinths and monsters and mazes starring Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that movie sucks, but... Uh, it does have monsters and mazes. Uh, this is Jeremy. Boss is also here. I am. And I've taken control of the podcast. Oh, shit. And now I'm tired of that, so I'm going to turn it over to Boss. <laughs> uh, well, that was a good run. Thanks, Jeremy. Yep. Uh, so we are here today to talk about Gerard Damiano's Memories Within Miss Aggie. Oh, yeah. Which is also its own mind maze. Uh, it is a bit of a mind maze, indeed. It's something where you uh, kind of have to put some things together in your mind and figure out exactly what's going on. And uh, and you get the cheese. And you get the cheese oh, at the end of the maze. Mind maze. At the end of the mind maze, you get some mind cheese. It could be any cheese you imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like a single slice of American. <laughs> You could have an entire wheel of American cheese. Uh, and then you could ride that wheel out of the maze. Oh, yeah. And back into reality where you only have a single slice of cheese. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it's best just to stay in your mind palace and not concern yourself with the outside world. Just cocoon yourself at home and enjoy a Gerard Damiano film. That was what I did this week. Yeah, me too. Instead of trying to get out of my mind maze. Yeah, I just, I locked myself in to the maze. And then your mom was banging on the door of the maze the whole time. Yeah, she was chasing me. She was like a minotaur. (laughs) (laughs) She was riding the dog and pursuing me. (laughs) Oh, Carol the minotaur. Yeah, the Carol tar. (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. Uh, yes. I don't want to imagine my mom as a cow monster anymore. Let's talk about Gerard Damiano, maybe. Okay, well, uh, Gerard Damiano is, of course, known probably most for creating the films Deep Throat and The Devil and Miss Jones, both of which we've covered in the past on this podcast. Yeah, so um, yeah, we have kind of probably exhausted some of the Damiano lore uh, yeah, at we've, this point. Yeah, we've gone down the Damiano path quite a bit, um... 
It's worth noting, though, uh, if we look back at his uh, prior episodes, one of the things that we talked about with the Devil and Miss Jones was this uh, particular location that was used for shooting. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. uh, that makes a return in this film. Oh, does, uh, yes. Yes, uh, it yes. does. The Apple Factory. Yeah, the Apple Factory. Back to the Apple Factory, folks. <laughs> yes, we've gone back to the Apple Factory this week. And uh, we've found ourselves in an interesting situation. So this was Damiano's third film following up on uh, The Devil and Miss Jones. Okay. It's neat. We're not doing them in order, but we're not jumping around too much either. Yeah, we've kind of stayed pretty grouped up close to the beginning of his tenure. I like it. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll definitely expand on that over time. Especially since some of his films are easier to find than others and... Quit the show. Jeremy quit the show. I heard a bunch of honking. I wanted to make sure no one was breaking into my car. Oh, okay. Your That's understandable. neighborhood is full of vandals and uh, miscreants. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those people next door, we talk about them a lot. Uh, yeah, they're loud. And I don't know that they've broken into anybody's cars, but I don't know that they haven't. I believe they have. They didn't break into mine. I don't know what that was. It was just unrelated honking great uh-huh just a good old honking spree yeah as as happens our podcast wouldn't be our podcast if there wasn't just a bunch of background noise the whole time hell yeah <laughs> I mean, people love it we don't have to like do music or anything there's always some kind of uh something's going on in the background to um it's atmospherics yeah yeah that's it's all intentional uh yes it's all intentional like that car parade or uh, when the cat got stuck on the cabinet. <laughs> Man. The, the, I'm just full of memories today. Yes. Memories within Mr. Jeremy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, mine aren't as weird as her. Mostly they're just callbacks to things that have happened. Right. But that's all that a memory really is. Yeah. Um, uh, unless your memory's a bit faulty. Yeah, unless you have a fractured memory. Uh, yes, and perhaps Miss Aggie's memory isn't quite as uh, succinct as Jeremy's. She doesn't have an amazing brain like he does. No, I can't, she can't tie all the threads together as well as I do. This film is interesting. Uh, it shows, once again, Damiano's penchant for doing something different. And mm-hmm. uh, for better or for worse, he's definitely gone for something different here. Oh, definitely. Um we're nearing episode 50 at this point, so we've watched about 40-plus films for the show in addition to whatever we've just kind of gobbled up like greedy little <laughs> piggies on our own. And uh, this one's different. It sure is. It's not like anything else I've seen, really. It's, it's not really very erotic. Um, It kind of is. It kind I, of isn't. It depends. There are parts that are. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll... We'll get more into the granularity as we go along. But it does kind of feel like even though sex is the center, that it being like a pornographic film is almost secondary to what Damiano is trying to do, which is, uh, it's pretty neat. It's kind of a a mixture of like a horror film and like Rashomon. Yeah. Um, Um, (laughs) Yes, it is like Rashomon, but uh, was was there much sex in Rashomon? I don't think so, no. That's a bummer. Yeah, well, when when it's a 1950 or so Japanese movie, you're not going to get quite the amount of pounding that you would in a Damiano film. Okay, that's fair. Uh, cultural differences and all that. Uh, yes. Um, so, yeah, it is like a horror movie mixed with Rashomon that also has uh, Our Lord and Teacher. Uh, yes, Our Lord and Teacher is back. Harry Freem's. <laughs> Harry Freems as Jeremy put in his notes. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot going on in this film. And uh, as we go through it, uh, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise that we're going to have to spoil a bit of what's going on here. Yeah. So uh, and we had a we had a conversation pre-show where I was like, I don't know about spoiling it because the poster tells you not to. Oh, yeah. But that poster is also 50 years old. Yeah, and I'm not going to let any 50-year-olds tell me what to do. No, they've had their way long enough. Get out of the way, grandpas. <laughs> uh, my grandpa's like 80. Oh, yeah. 85. 
you can't remember who he is. It's quite sad. That sucks. It's also funny because he just calls my mom at all hours asking where my grandma is, but she's there. Oh. It's amusing <laughs> uh, in its way. <laughs> I suppose. Um, I guess if it were, if he was calling me, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Well, at least it's something your grandpa can't help. Yeah. Versus uh, something like with Miss Aggie, where she may be running from a dark secret. You might have a dark secret. Oh, yeah. I guess I hadn't considered that. It twisted his brain and pulverized it into mush. Oh. So, don't keep secrets. (laughs) I guess that's the uh, moral of the show. The moral of Alzheimer's is don't keep secrets or your brain will turn to mush. That's what the doctors are not telling you. (laughs) it's all based on morality and not medical fact that's interesting yeah i learned all this um just now oh because i made it up (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i'm really off the rails i've been up for since 4 30 and i had a little nap but i'm still kind of uh, wired a little bit you know you get that kind of exhausted manic energy uh, yeah. I got some of that. So let's uh, try our best to harness it. <laughs> okay, and, yeah. And uh, we'll talk about memories. Sweet, sweet memories of days gone by. All right. So with any luck, Jeremy won't fall asleep during this episode. Uh, just halfway through, completely blink out of energy and collapse. But It might happen. I hope not, because we have another one to do. Uh, but, well, uh, you'll know it happens if you hear him snoring. Uh, yes. Very loudly. <laughs> I know that you're a consummate professional, though, so you'll keep on until the show's ended, even if I'm not with you. Uh, Yes, I will probably throw something at you. Oh, yeah, that'll also work. There's so much stuff to throw at me. Um, Let's take a break and pick what we're going to throw at me. Okay. And then we'll come back, and I'll let you do your thing, and I will stay awake. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we'll be right back. to delay yeah Um, if we delay much longer you'll be asleep in no time yes uh what they call this movie is memories within miss aggie and it takes place at our favorite apple farm yes but there's other callbacks to other things we've talked about in this that i don't know for we'll get to it this movie is full of memories for me as well as miss aggie (laughs) okay um, I'm going to be cryptic. You um, you want to tell us a little bit about how this movie starts? Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the film opens with a shot of a snow field, and we get our title card and our opening credits. We see Aggie, our lead here. Yeah, Aggie old, 1. Uh, technically, Aggie this is three. just Aggie. Okay. There's uh, as some... credited, there's Aggie, and then there's Aggie 1, 2, and 3. Uh, we open... I believe with Aggie. Just Aggie, played by Deborah Ashura. Uh, probably, Ashira. yeah. Ashura. Uh, Aggie 1 is from the first memory. Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll get to it. So, uh, oh, these memories are breaking my brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's steer this back on track. So, um, Aggie's journeying through the snow in some... Uh, in a coat and some boots and she makes her way into her house and she's uh, washing a spot on the floor with a rag and uh, we see her take the bucket she was using outside and she splashes it on the ground and when she does the snow appears to be soaked in blood Yeah. and she looks up and sees two young people running together she is in fact, seeing a, a memory of herself, so she thinks. She's delusional. Uh, she is. This is a lady that I would have taken care of at one point in my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we ever had any Miss Aggies. I didn't pry too deep. I don't. We only had, like, one guy who murdered someone, 
and he murdered a gay man, so I just stayed far away from him because he <laughs> seemed very angry, and uh, I didn't want to be his next victim. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he would not approve of your deviancy. No, he would not. So Aggie is then heating some water in a teapot, and she calls out to Richard to see if he's up. She walks over, and we see Richard, uh, an older man himself, sitting in a wheelchair. She remarks about how he napped right through the teapot whistling and tells him to wake up, because she's going to make him a strong cup of tea. I don't drink tea. Yes, he says, I don't drink no tea. But she says he drinks hers because uh, she brews it so good. Yeah, she does it special. Mushroom tea. <laughs> that would explain some of the events. Yeah, that would. Yeah. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe. There's a lot of hidden away in um, this film. So, she's talking to Richard about the strange feeling she had on that day. Um, she asks him what it was like for him, and he says, You wished I would come, and I did. She mentions how he helped her with her loneliness all these years, and she talks about their youth. She says something about how handsome he was, and he says something about how she looked. And she talks about how when she was young, she was curious about men. Her mom told her it wasn't time yet for her to be fooling around with men. And uh, at this point, she had hardly seen a man, not her age anyway. Mm-hmm. So, it's at this point that we cut to our first memory within Miss Aggie. Oh, yes, yes. Um, where she meets Eric Edwards. Yes, so we see a young Aggie meet a young Richard. So, Aggie, in this case, is played by Kim Pope okay. as Aggie 1. All right, I didn't get hurt in my thing. Okay. And then uh, Richard 1 mm. is played by Eric Edwards. Excellent. So uh, they're walking across a bridge, I believe, and yes. uh, they run into each other and introduce themselves, uh, and they hadn't met before, and they point at their respective houses. Uh, Richard offers to walk Aggie home, and Aggie mentions how her mom says it's bad to be with a man, but he says it's not bad if he's just walking her home. It's true. So uh, we see them walking through the snow together, laughing. They kick snow, throw snowballs, and they're having a good time together. Just a little frolic in the snow. Yes. Uh, as they start to approach Aggie's house, Aggie tells Richard about how she feels funny and asks what it could be. And Richard says maybe it's from being close to each other. She says she's never been close, and he said him neither. He leans in and kisses her. And he turns around to leave afterwards, and she tells him not to go. She has something to show him that belonged to her grandfather. Yeah. Her, her, or her grandparents. Her great-grandfather? I don't know. What yeah, the it was, yeah, I think it was his, her great-grandfather, because it comes up again later. Based on what it is, I would have to assume it goes back a few generations. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> um, she invites him in, noting that her folks aren't home, so... We cut to her inside, and she's looking in a mirror, and she's wearing this uh, lacy gown. She calls out for Richard to come in, and he comes in wearing this red military uniform. Yeah, I think it's just like a British like red coat, yeah. it looks like. So her great-great-grandfather was a loyalist traitor to the uh, revolutionary <laughs> cause. Yeah, I would think that it would have to be further back than a great-grandfather, unless it's something that he just procured. Maybe yeah. he was a collector. Oh, maybe she's a great-great. I think that would put him far enough back. Great-great? I don't know, because the, the Revolutionary War would have been the late 17... 1700s, but... She'd have to go, be going back, like... But this is would be set for her, if you assume it's 1974 when the movie starts and it goes back to her being a teen, then it would probably be, she's middle-aged, I would say maybe like the 20s or the 30s. Okay. So at that point, her great-great-grandfather could have been young and served in the Revolutionary War. But we'd still be going back like 150 years plus. They all lived forever back then. That's what they I taught me. I don't think me. that's true. That's what they taught me in Catholic schools. Uh, George Washington lived to be about 300. He's still alive by some accounts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. What did they teach you? You believe all that shit about the wooden teeth? <laughs> huh? No. He had no teeth. <laughs> He's 
an immortal worm. Oh. Yeah. Uh, wait, is that Catholicism or is that like Dune? Maybe a little bit of both. Excellent. Is, isn't Dune just a, a book of the Bible? Uh, yeah. The, the book of Dune. The gospel of Frank Herbert. Yeah, the gospel of uh, David Lynch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like he just owned that one. He does yeah. not like it. Well, he, like, it was it was a mess. Yeah, it is a mess. It it, it was a mess beyond his intentions. Film, yeah. They wanted to market it to kids. Yeah. There were, like, a bunch of, like, coloring books and toys. And there's a... I saw one of the coloring books, and it had the uh, the Navigator, which is just that, like, horrifying, like, practical effects creation. It's just, like, this massive, like head with like it looks like a thing you fought in resident evil just a couple oh, minutes yeah, ago yeah. kind of just like a slug man yeah and yeah. a tank and i'm like kids love that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> no there's like i think there's a point like halfway through the movie where there's like a montage where i think like half of the movie was supposed to go i think that's yes <laughs> that seems accurate uh anyhow yeah sorry we uh, there is there is an extended cut of dune but uh that is also not a director's cut because no. a lot of what uh, Lynch wanted to do was not never shot. Yeah, so. it's a lot of storyboard. I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, sorry. <laughs> so Aggie and Richard, th- these young folks. Yeah, um, not at all concerned with the God Emperor of uh, Dune. <laughs> That's their failing as people. Well, you know, it was before he wrote it. I guess that's true. <laughs> So, uh, Aggie tells Richard that it's alright for him to touch her, and they start to caress, and she starts to undress him, and he returns the favor, and he kneels down, and they kiss passionately. He starts to, uh, kiss her nipples a bit, and carries her over to a bed, and this, I would say, is a pretty erotic scene. It's shot to be kind of romantic and soft. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of close-ups here. It is. And, um... uh, it's, it's a very gentle but passionate scene yeah it takes time like getting into the sex it's very uh make love kind of scene which i think that's the intention of the memory um yeah but yeah i do like the way that it's shot to like reflect her created memory uh yes Uh, because this is definitely how you would remember what was probably like 30 seconds of awful sex with some guy you met on a bridge <laughs> you know yes yeah uh i was really hoping this movie would become like total recall <laughs> and that she would have to get to mars but she there's, just creates her own false memory she doesn't have to have a corporation stick them in her brain there's not a single quato in this no no there's not not at all but it does have eric edwards and that's worth something that is worth something Especially so, when he's laying pipe. Yeah, and he, he does indeed get to lay some pipe here. They go pretty slow, and she starts to kiss down his body, and she very slightly licks his cock a bit, and then slowly works her way to fully blowing him. They roll over, he gets on top of her, and slowly penetrates her and fucks her missionary. We see him finish, though there is no wet shot here. No. But uh, he rolls over afterwards, and she asks if he believes in fairy tales. He asks, like a prince coming to take you off? She says, yeah, like that. He said, I guess I never gave it a thought. She said, it would be nice if it could happen like that. He says, yes, it would be. So she gets up out of bed and looks at herself in the mirror. She asks him if he thinks that she's pretty, and he says, yes, and your eyes sparkle. She turns to look back at him. And we hear a light horror musical cue, and Richard is gone. Yeah. Then we cut back to modern-day Aggie uh, looking in the mirror. She says, no, not that way. Nothing bad happened. She asks Richard why he let her go on like that. Richard says, she'd just like to remember something happened that way. She walks over to Richard and rolls uh, him in his wheelchair up to the stove where she had been... Uh, heating up water for the tea. He tells Aggie that she never had golden hair, which it's worth noting that in this memory, Aggie, uh, played by Kim Pope, has blonde hair, whereas her older self is uh, darker hair mixed with gray hair. Yeah, yeah. Never had no golden hair. (laughs) I love Richard. 
He uh, sounds drunk. She responds that Richard was never a prince either. She says sometimes she doesn't know the difference between wishing and happening anymore. She says she knows it wasn't a fairy tale, but she says she wasn't bad. Not just because, and then she stops herself. He asks when she wasn't bad. She says the first time he came to her. She lights some candles in front of a mirror, and she starts talking to herself again, going into another memory. She talks about her mom being crazy and treating her cruelly. She talks about being lonely and only having herself. And then we cut to a different young Aggie, Aggie 2, played by Mary Stewart. Yes, of uh, uh, the opening of Misty Beethoven and Passions of Carol. Uh, yes. Yes. Didn't she have like a non-sex role in Misty Beethoven? I think she was like the, she was a... Uh, Jamie Gillis's like friend. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. Okay, she didn't so have she a did. huge role, but yeah, she, she was there. Okay. So uh, anyway, this young Aggie is there with a little baby doll. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so she's wearing this uh, red, uh, like silk robe type thing that's oh, slightly yeah. open, and she's rubbing the baby doll on her body, and I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. Yeah. Then she uh, rubs it down her chest, and then starts to rub it against her vagina. Interesting choice. Then she starts to push the baby doll's head into her vagina, and as she leans back on a bed, yes, on her um, bed. And this is called it's called unbirthing, and it's very popular on the internet. Is it? People love to. Uh, I don't know if they do this, but that is like a subset of like a furry fetish thing. Is basically where you're just like unbirthed and reabsorbed back into the vagina. Oh. There's a lot of bizarre nonsense fetishes out there. And you know, this is one of them. It's interesting because I've I've seen a lot of stuff on the internet, but the internet has a way of having things that I've never even heard of. It's endless. It is the depravity. It's a vast forest. <laughs> uh, my least favorite thing is when I'm on like Twitter and I see like one bad take. And I scroll down to see who commented, and then I click on their profile, and then, like, I followed, like, a web to, like, the worst people on the internet. <laughs> um, and I hate getting sucked into those holes. I would rather be unbirthed than spend another minute fucking around on Twitter. You'd rather get sucked into that hole. I would rather get sucked into that hole. Um, but this is what I was talking about um, earlier when I was cryptically just rambling about callbacks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Mary Stewart is masturbating with a doll in this film. Right. Which is a scene that is repeated in The Passions of Carol in uh, one of those flashbacks. Yeah. I, uh, uh, they stuff a doll into her like a doll. Aren't you remember? Yes, I, I do remember that. And I had not put that together until you pointed it out that it was the same woman in both. Yeah. So I'm wondering... Because I think that came out in 75, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's probably just coincidence, but I'm wondering if someone saw this and they're like, that's pretty good. Let's ever do it again. <laughs> in The Passions of Carol, though, did did she put a he- the head in her? I don't think so, don't but think it's so. the same basic thing. Like, they pop the arm off the doll and yeah, they're yeah. like, they're fucking her with that, I think. Yeah. But same basic idea. For they're, sure. They're not fake children, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. She seems to at least be like, a teenager right she is uh of a sexual age yeah. but uh she has also been neglected and locked into the house by her mother god damn it moms i know actually i wish my mom would leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> um so this goes on for a couple of minutes and then uh she hears something outside and she looks as a car is pulling up and as is said in his autobiography here comes Harry Reeves. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, Harry Reeves. The teacher Reeves. is here. Um, and this time in the form of a simple Hazeman. Uh, yes, uh, Richard II in this case. Yes. Richard II knocks on the door to Aggie's house saying, hey, and asking if anybody's home. And she's kind of peering out the window watching him. And he goes to get back in his truck and she opens up this like barn-like door in her room that's mm-hmm. like not on the ground floor either. It's just an interesting... It's like a loft. Yeah, it's like, like a, a loft, loft opening or something. Yeah. to the outside. Um, apple farm. Yeah, the apple factory. The apple factory. <laughs> so 
So uh, she yells out to him as she's opened up this door, and she's kind of just standing there with her red silk robe open, so you could see her bush the whole time. Yeah. Uh, she calls out to him and asks him what he wants, and he says, You're Aggie, ain't you? He asks her where her mom is, and uh, he tells her that he's delivering some hay that she ordered. He asks why she didn't answer the door when he called, and uh, she says her mom has her locked up. He says that she must have done something bad, but she gets upset and walks back inside. So Richard then grabs a ladder and climbs up and tells her that he's sorry. She's sitting there silent and uh, doesn't answer. She says she's never been bad. He asks why he's never seen her in town, and she says that her mama won't let her in town. He says she's grown up and pretty. She shouldn't be locked up like this. I was starting to wonder if there was a mom at all. Yeah. And this is where, like, I think I started to notice something dark might be happening. Yeah. Yeah. She notes that she's never been this close to a man since her dad left as he kind of sits down next to her. She says maybe she is bad. He says she's not bad. She's just growing up. She says she doesn't know what's wrong with her. He says, it's okay, it's just nature. Everybody's like this. Richard then says that he cares about her, and uh, they start to make out as some piano music plays. So this moved pretty quickly, but, mm-hmm. you know, we got to be efficient with the film as well, so whatever. It is a pretty short film, too. Yeah, it's, it's like 76 minutes or something in that ballpark. It moves along. Richard gets up and starts to undress, and uh, Aggie's watching and rubbing the baby doll on her face as he's doing this. I don't like it. <laughs> she uh, reaches up and starts to rub his chest hair, and then starts to gently play with his cock as he uh, reaches down and slowly touches her. Uh, she begins to lick and kiss on his cock, and then he lays on the bed, and she blows him. They reposition, and uh, he starts to fuck her with her on her back and him kind of on his side. Um, There's some doggy style, and he pulls out and then uh, pushes his cock into her ass. Nice. Um, The music slowly starts to get a little bit more tense and weird here, but she seems to be getting into it. Then we get a shot of him pulling out. Uh, He is pulling out of her vagina here, not her ass. Okay. Um, he pulls out and comes on her ass and back, and uh, the shot slowly fades out, and we cut back to the current Aggie. She says, You said I wasn't doing anything bad, but why can't I get past it? Every time I start to think something, my head fills up with blood. I can't see no more. What happened? Richard says once again, You just like to remember something happened that way. She says, weren't that way at all. She says, maybe I was bad. Maybe that's why I can't remember. She then gets distracted by this cat that's meowing. and She says, how the hell did that get in there? So she picks it up by the scruff and carries it outside. And as she walks outside, she starts thinking about her old cat. Then we cut to her in bed holding a cat. She says cat that, that does not want to be held, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like struggling the entire time. They're um, like, we need it for the shot. Right. <laughs> um, and this is a different cat, and uh, this is a different Aggie as well. Yes, this is... Aggie 3. Darby Lloyd Reigns. Yes, the lovely Darby Lloyd Reigns. Excellent. Uh, who's been in several films that we've covered. I feel like she's rarely in a big role. Yeah, I think she's one of those names I kind of know, but like... You kind of have to see her to, like, put the name to the face. She hasn't had a starring role, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I feel like they pro- those roles probably exist. We just haven't gotten to them yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's but, so uh, much. Every dog has its day. <laughs> she's uh, she's very attractive, though. I like her. Well, I wasn't calling her a dog. That's just an expression. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I, I understood that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but she explains that... Uh, Back in those days, and again, it's a different Aggie and a different cat. (laughs) She says back in those days, uh, men used to pay to be with her. She says that one day he came and he wanted to take her out of there. So we see Richard III, played by Ralph Herman. Uh, He gives her some money. 
and uh, goes and sits in a chair watching her. She says, touch me, and she starts to rub her breasts. They are spilling out of the bustier she was wearing, and uh, she starts to caress herself and spreads her legs, dirty talking to him, telling him to touch her and how to do it, but he's just watching as she masturbates and does these things to herself. He says to uh, put it in her, and she inserts a finger in herself. She says to hold her ass and then to fuck her in the ass, and she starts to finger her ass. Yeah. Then she sits up and fingers herself more and starts to kind of break down a bit. Yes. Uh, And then we cut to them in a 69 position with her blowing him, and the music starts getting weird again. Yeah, all the music in this film has like that kind of like eerie quality to it. I think even like in like the pretty erotic scene earlier with Eric Edwards. There's just mm-hmm. like this droning organ that's going on. And I'm like, this doesn't really fit the mood, mm-hmm. but it fits the, uh, thematics. The, yes. The, the, what's going on subconsciously. Right. The music reflects. Very yeah. clever, Mr. Damiano. Well played. And I, and I think it's worth noting that also, uh, as these scenes go on, I would agree that like throughout the scenes, there's like, droning and weird things going on Mm -hmm. in the music but as they progress they get weirder and weirder yeah yeah for sure uh until there's typically kind of a a horror cue that starts to play at the end Mm -hmm. as things take some sort of twist yeah and that's Mm kind of what point we hit here as they're in that 69 position and she shifts to the side a bit and then he comes and she keeps sucking and licks up the cum a bit and then we cut back from that to current Aggie, and she says, no, that's not it. No. I never had a cat round. She said, I hate the damn thing. <laughs> she talks more about not being able to remember and walks back in, and then she says that Richard was a good man. Maybe he's protecting her from her memories. She says she remembers one time he told her not to remember. He says, well, I'm here now. You wish for me to come? I did. Mm-hmm. She says, on certain days, she just can't seem to recall. She knows he still hasn't had his tea yet. She says, that's it. You were lost. He says, I wasn't lost. I was searching. She says that she saved Richard. Yes. So we cut to Aggie, and this time it's Aggie played by the same actress, just with less old just, lady yeah, makeup. Yeah, less, yeah. She's definitely mature here, but uh, you can tell in the so-called current day scenes that she's kind of made up to look older yeah kind of like i think he did a similar thing with uh georgina spelvin uh yes yeah yeah and a devil yes so uh we see aggie leaving a church and she says that she was making peace um and she was older and it was past her time to be dreaming about men not of this world anyway she says As she's leaving, she intersects with Richard, who again is played by the same Richard, but just less done up. Yeah. He's leaving a graveyard, and she says that she hasn't seen him before, and she offers to fix him something to eat if he helps her with some wood that needs to be chopped at her house. Right. He agrees, and then we cut to Aggie cutting carrots, and Richard's chopping some wood outside, putting it by the stove... She says she's making him some strong tea, and he says, I don't drink no tea. But she says he will drink hers. She brews it real good. So again, we've got to call back to earlier stuff. We slowly start to see that the things of Aggie's fractured memories from earlier are Mm -hmm. weaving together in this story. Yes, it's excellent. She notes that he doesn't talk much, and he says there's not much to say. So he goes to wash his hands in a bathroom, and she opens the door. She gives him the red uniform from earlier and says it was her great-grandfather's. She starts talking about her land and says she has an orchard, a vegetable garden, and she's going on and on really excited to be talking to him, but he slowly just shuts the door to the bathroom. (laughs) Um, We cut back to her stirring food at the stove, and then Richard walks up with his coat on. Not this red uniform, just his coat that he wore in. Uh, Yeah. And she asks why he's got that on, and he says he thinks he should go. And she starts to apologize, saying she hasn't had anyone around in a while. It's just been her, and he finally relaxes a bit and sits down at the table. 
She says that men like him shouldn't be traveling around alone. He should be with someone. He says most people make you into someone else, who they want you to be. He'd rather be alone. Aggie says that he's lost. He says, I'm not lost. I'm searching. Yeah. Again, a line from earlier. Mm Mm-hmm. She says that she was searching, too, until he came to her. Then she says, you came to me. She says that the first time he came, she had beautiful golden hair. He says, you never had golden hair. Again, a a callback not only to the scene from earlier, but the banter afterwards. Yes. Where Richard had said, you never had golden hair. Yeah. He says that her eyes sparkled like a real princess, which was a line that he had said earlier talking about that first memory. Yeah, yeah. She asked why he said that, and he says that you just like to remember something happened that way, but nothing happened. You're making things up. I'm helping you. Yes. So again... Sort of. uh, Again, he makes that line about you just like to remember something happened that way, which I feel like is a very... uh, good summary of the film yeah richard says that like just a couple times throughout the film right as well yeah so uh yes she then says i wasn't bad and he asks her when wasn't you bad again a line from earlier and she says the time that i was locked up and he says you're making stuff up and she asks if he hates her for it and he says he doesn't hate her she asks if he can stay and he says only for the night she says that he could sleep in the memory room where all the old things are. Do not go into the memory room. Yes. Uh, if there's one lesson of this film, don't go in the memory room. If anyone ever offers to take you into their memory room, they are going to make you into a memory. <laughs> or a coat. We see Richard uh, on a bed smoking a cigarette. He's in, like, red long johns. And Aggie comes in and apologizes, saying that being lonely gets to you. She says that he can stay here as long as he wants, and he thanks her, but says that he's got to be getting on in the morning, and she says she understands, and says goodnight and leaves. We cut to him later, and he's asleep, and we hear the door in the room open. She walks in, and she's dressed in the gown from earlier in the uh, first episode. Yeah. The uh, lacy gown. Her grandma's. Her grandmother's, yeah. She needs to stop wearing her dead relative's clothes. (laughs) She turns on the light and says that she changed her mind. She says that she thought she'd wear that dress as it was her grandmother's. So she gets close to him and asks if he can be gentle and says she's never been close to a man. Again, a line from earlier. He says, you need someone. Lots of people do. And he kisses her and lays back and we hear our weird horror cue again. And at this moment, she pulls out a knife and stabs him right in the eye. Oh, my God. They really go for it. Yeah, you uh, you compared it to a Fulci effect, and that's pretty straight yeah. on. Yeah. Because we haven't really had any gore in, like, porn. Like, stuff like killer, like, uh, killer Pussy or whatever might be, like, the closest thing we have. Yeah, yeah. But even that, it was a lot more, like, kind of cartoonish. Right. There wasn't uh, anything gory in, like driller really no no like none of those horror movies we had were really anywhere like we should have covered this yeah this was actually uh very very effective because uh, even thinking back to the devil and miss jones i think when she cuts her wrist it looks okay but it's Mm -hmm. not like super explicit right so my thought is okay maybe she's gonna stab him in the chest or if she stabs him in the face, they'll cut away and we won't see it. Right. That knife just goes right through that eyeball like fucking in zombie. Yeah. It's uh, it's intense. It is, indeed. It's, especially for a porn film, that's not what you probably wandered in off the street for. Right. You got your dick in your hand, you were ready for that next sex scene and... Uh, no. No. You were denied. So he screams out and falls to the floor and starts to crawl away and she approaches him and... Uh, stands up shaking and then we cut to her back in the current day she says she doesn't know why she keeps going back to that she shouldn't have done that she says that she was past the time she'd be with a man and she'd made peace with herself and and you're here now of course you are again talking to richard and the teapot whistles and she picks it up she says here i am trying to remember 
How did you put up with me all these years? We don't see him at this point, but he says, Thank you, but I don't drink no tea. She asks him, What was it like, Richard? I remember. I felt strange-like. And she starts to go on with the story kind of as she started the film talking. Mm -hmm. We see her bend down to pour tea, and as she walks away, we get the cut, and we see that there's just a corpse sitting there Ah. in the chair that she's been talking to this whole time. We've been psychoed. Uh, And she goes on verbatim, word for word, introducing the first story as she was. She walks over to a window, and we get credits. Yes. And that was memories within Miss Aggie. So many memories. Uh, So many memories, so little time. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to uh, wrap things up on memories within Miss Aggie. post on twitter trying to get a 30 dollar hitman no my friend just posted his dick oh <laughs> you just post whatever you want that's excellent yes it's very good <laughs> that was the first thing i saw when i was fucking about on my phone excellent yes go to the raincoat report at instagram and show us your dick <laughs> actually don't on instagram uh, they'll block it yes go to uh, twitter Jeremy's in constant conflict with uh, the Instagram moderation. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, if you try to send me your dick, they'll shut us down, so don't do that. Yeah, Uh, but uh, Twitter, they'll let you do anything. Yeah. One guy, I don't know if he listens to the show or not, just keeps sending me porn gifts of Kay Parker. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Yeah, I don't know. Thank you. Yeah, you know. I don't mind if you all reach out to me, but use your words. I don't know how to respond to you just sending me unsolicited porn, unless it's, like, the stuff you found in your walls. Uh, right. But then just do a little, like, two or three words solicit. I found this on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, I made this. Watch my stroke. Yeah, I made this. Check my stroke game. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if it's good, we'll talk about it. Yeah. You know. I don't know if Boss will see it, but I'll, I will. I mean, if... If, if it's good enough, I'll forward it to boss, and for then sure. he will watch you stroke. <laughs> I get all the notifications on my phone whenever you do things on Instagram. Not that you would be getting stroke videos on Instagram, yeah. but uh, it, it's always funny that like every like week or two, I see like the we've reviewed your uh, <laughs> yeah we've reviewed your for stuff from like a year ago at this point. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, as far as big tech censorship goes we're really the victims of it more than uh any conservatives so maybe send us some money (laughs) don't send don't send charlie kirk all your money don't send uh those creepy looking trump brothers your money send us your money we're weird looking yeah we have unpopular opinions (laughs) i'm trying to hire a hitman to kill boss and we only have $30 so far. <laughs> what are we going to do? Send us your money. Send us your porn. Um, do you want to review this movie? I guess so, but uh, why don't you go ahead and take it away, Jeremy, with our raincoat are, review. Okay. Are you upset that I was going to hire a hitman? No, because I feel like you're just going to fall asleep and forget about it here in a couple hours anyway. That's fair. Absolutely fair. I also think that with thirty dollars, you're not going to be very successful. Yeah, that's why I'm soliciting money now. If we can get three point <laughs> two million dollars. I could hire Blackwater to come take out Boss's entire house. <laughs> and wouldn't that be cool to have a mercenary raid on U.S. soil? I think it would be awesome. Good luck trying to figure out how to make a podcast. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I don't even know how to, I don't even know what button you hit to record because you have all that stuff over there. 
<laughs> uh, I've been keeping it a secret on purpose, so you don't murder me or have me murdered. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I won't have you murdered. I'll review this movie. Okay. Go for it. Okay. I really enjoyed this film. It kind of meanders a little bit. Oh no, I don't know. I really enjoyed this film. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it takes a little bit to get to get into it. I think. Yeah. To just kind of settle into the strange rhythm that. Uh, Damiano establishes between these two people and uh, a bunch of false memories. Yeah. I was thinking originally that the plot was kind of thin until like the twist at the end. Right. But when you think back on it, you realize there's a lot of like uh, subtle stuff going on through the dialogue, uh, through the music, just through like some, all that kind of stuff. Right. To where it, uh, it all makes sense in the end. And it's probably, one of the richer uh, narratives that I've seen in a porn film so far, to be honest. There's a lot of nuance. There is quite a bit of nuance to it. that uh, It's hard to get into a, like a 76-minute movie. Yeah. So really, uh, that's great. Great on him. My initial reaction to it, like I said, I was kind of slow getting to it. And then I didn't think I liked it as much as I did when I finished it. Mm-hmm. But... It didn't leave my head. I kept thinking about it. Right. And I think that's the sign of like of a good film. You're not going to always get something like right away. Right. But uh, sometimes like the impact it has on you is maybe stronger than the film itself. Mm-hmm. I'd say maybe this is one of those cases because for like a twist that was about 15 years old at that point, since it's basically, you know, psycho, mm-hmm. uh, it does it very, very effectively. I don't know. There's a... I feel like there's so much to say about it, but also it's just so well crafted that I feel like it kind of you kind of need to experience it for yourself. I originally was going to give it maybe like a three or a three and a half, but talking about it today, thinking about it on my own, I would give it, gosh, at least a four. All right. Uh, I didn't do my super in-depth review I've been doing, but uh, I don't know. There's not really like everything's good yeah everything's like really well i'm gonna bump it up to a 4.5 all right i'm thinking hard about it just a very nuanced very interesting very original uh film yeah that also they did an oscar campaign for this in 75 oh really do you think it could have beaten the godfather 2 Ooh, that's a tough one <laughs> i think that i think that was the winner that year uh yeah, it is a tough one. Yeah. Uh, uh, usually I, I'd be like, yeah, fuck that movie, whatever one. Yeah, uh, Godfather 2 is one of those ones that's kind of it's yeah. a tough competition. Uh, it's definitely shorter than Godfather 2. Yeah, you could watch it about three times in the time <laughs> it would take to watch Godfather 2. Yeah, just really puzzle it out. Yeah, but I think they had like campaigned for Best Picture, Best Director, and I think Best Actress. Mm-hmm. I think they could have won one of those, but I don't think they ever got like officially, you know, on the ballot or anything. Yeah, which would have been just insane, right? If I, I don't think best picture, but maybe best actress. Yeah, I yeah. think she carries herself really well. Yeah, uh, a movie this reminded me of was uh, another. Did Vinegar Syndrome put it out? The Collar. Yes. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that, just in this very like these cryptic conversations between two people where one person's just sort of trying to puzzle out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, very tense, very, uh, was carried by just a very, very small cast. Right. Uh, this one had more because they had different people playing them in the memories, obviously, but it's not like they're interacting in like, they're just different versions of the people you've already seen. Right. Uh, this didn't have Malcolm McDowell though. Right. Which is why it's not a five. <laughs> <laughs> the caller, the caller, not to get too sidetracked, yeah. but the caller is a master class on yeah. how to make a, a very tense movie with a tiny, tiny set of resources. Yes. There's a, things get a little big right at the end, yeah, but, but I mean, up until then. There's, this one too, to be honest. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like literally in the caller, there are, basically two people in the film Mm -hmm. and that's and it's mostly just dialogue yeah it's really good check 
check both of them out. Yeah. To be honest, if you haven't seen the collar yet, check that out. If you haven't seen Memories Within Miss Aggie, definitely check that out. Uh, it probably won't get your dick hard, but it'll make your brain wet. <laughs> uh, you like thinking about that? A brain just basting in juices. <laughs> and the cerebral spinal fluid of feel, my heart. <laughs> I feel like today your brain is mostly juices. <sighs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to let you review it now. Sorry. All right. Well, um, I saw... This film, the first time, maybe about two years ago, and I had a kind of a similar reaction to you in the sense that as I watched it, I was kind of like, okay, this is this is interesting. But as it kind of went on, I started to feel like, well, there's not really a whole lot going on here. Right. Uh, it's just kind of stringing a few sex scenes together and. There's something going on here, but I'm not exactly sure what. And then, of course, once the uh, twist happens at the end and, you know, in the last few minutes of the Mm -hmm. film, it's, you know, it really lands. Um, Watching it a second time, I feel like it was better than the first time. I get that. Because I didn't really have a very strong memory of the minutia of the film, Mm -hmm. but I remembered how it ended because it's, it's, you know, pretty big. Um, but because I kind of knew where it went on the second viewing, I was grabbing clues along the way that always and feels being good. very, uh, I really like doing that with going back, uh, movies and grabbing clues. Yeah. Like a little Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's why I was taking very detailed notes along the way and being sure to catch lines of dialogue because I knew that it all fit together at the end and it really did. So yeah. Um, I would say that perhaps even a second watch will be better than the first watch here. Definitely. Um, I do like a lot of what's going on here. I like the, uh, we'll say, present day uh, Aggie and Richard. Mm-hmm. Um, their interactions are really good. And yeah. uh, the various past versions and the memories of Aggie and Richard do their jobs well. Um, and, of course, we have Harry Reams, so, I mean, yes. who could be upset about that? Yeah, and we got uh, Eric Edwards. Yeah. Who's, uh, we're going to get more into next week. Uh, we are, yes. A lot more. A lot more Eric Edwards. More than you could fit in your tiny, greasy little hands. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> But anyhow, yeah, we've got that going on. Um, and, you know, everybody does their parts pretty well. Um, the scene with uh, Darby Lloyd Reigns, the uh, third Aggie scene, was much shorter than the other two and didn't really go very far. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that it was hot for the short period of time that it was there. I could always yeah, get yeah, into yeah. some dirty talk and stuff. It's yeah. fun. And I think that the first memory... Um, because it's going for this uh, soft romantic thing. I think it actually lands really well, and you can see a lot of Damiano's craft there. Yeah, a lot it's, of good soft lighting. Yeah. The, yeah. Yes. Um, it's very good. Um, the music in here is it's good. I wouldn't say that it's really standout, but it also really works for yeah. what the film's going for. Yeah, it doesn't... It's not something I would listen to, like, I'm like the deep throat soundtrack right but uh as like atmosphere for the film i think uh and kind of building like a sense of dread as it kind of shifts and changes to more ominous through the film right uh, i think it works very well yeah so overall there's a lot going for it and uh i like it a lot uh overall i'd give it four stars it's it's a really well done film and something that you should not miss and it's a good example about how Gerard Damiano did really fashion himself as a filmmaker, and he wasn't. He was the type of person who was not in any way embarrassed to be part of the porn industry, but he also wasn't satisfied just making sex films. He mm. wanted to do things that were creative and different. And, right, which. Uh, you can definitely see here that that's what he was doing. He really took a big swing with this one. Yeah, and, he uh, moved like masterfully from like comedy and deep throat to just doing like a straight up horror film. 
Right. Basically like a psychological thriller horror film. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's very varied guy. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, we've kind of tied it to various uh, cinematic references. Uh, the whole Rashomon thing of a story being told from different perspectives, although here it's just various fractured uh, perspectives of Aggie herself. Um, of course, the obvious throw to uh, Psycho here mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, it's very, very creative, and uh, it's a one-of-a-kind film. You can't really, as far as I can think of, I can't think of another film quite like it. Like, yeah. You know, we can throw those actual references to right, other films, but, but as he... far as, like, the finished product, it's something on its own. And for that, it's definitely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's the raincoat report for this week. That's all. I think so. Do you have anything to add? Um, don't go in the memory room. And if you do, don't forget your raincoat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anything about real men. I remember when Ma told me it wasn't time yet. And us being way out here do things. I had never seen a man. Not my age, anyway. But I was feeling something inside. Didn't know what it was even. Used to make things up.